In this episode of the Euctropolis podcast, an interview with my mom, Barbara Hill. So today, my mom is here with us, and we're going to talk about whatever. We're going to talk about my childhood, her musical journey, how to raise kids in a musical household. We're going to talk about joy and serendipity, regret, all the good stuff. Stick around. The first thing people might notice is that you have a different accent from me. Oh. Right? And that's that. I think that's pretty normal now. Um, I'm pretty used to it, but that might be a surprise for some people. Um, hmm. Did you want to tell people why you have a different accent to me and why well, dad does too? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm always surprised when people say that because I, I do not notice it. I, mm. I just don't notice it. And the same with Julia, I don't really notice. But That we have different accents. I, that we have different accents. Yeah. And we've lived together for, I don't know, we lived together in the same house <laughs> for all those years. And um, I don't know that I, I don't hear that I have an accent. And I, I, do, prob- I do hear your Canadian accent from time to time. But um mm-hmm. Yeah, well, after how many years, 47 years or something living in Canada, we didn't ever pick up a Canadian accent, I guess. And um, on our trips back to New Zealand, our New Zealand family and friends would often express disappointment that we didn't sound (laughs) any different than we always had. (laughs) But I don't know why we didn't pick up an accent, but Mm. we just kept our Kiwi accents all the time. I guess maybe because we both, uh, Barry and I are both New Zealanders and we still talk to each other and so we, we just uh, didn't, didn't um, stray from that, from that accent ever. You, you kept each other Kiwi. We did, <laughs> I guess, all that time. I do, I do notice though that um, there are some words, or at least um, Anne pointed this out to me that you know a few years ago she said anything that rhymes with hurry or curry uh you say like a kiwi so i have to consciously say oh. hurry instead of hurry oh you know? right? and so like oh. e- even now there are like these little tiny echoes of the <clears throat> of the kiwi accent that come through that you have yeah yeah oh interesting you know see, you see i had never thought of hurry as being an accent but you're right <laughs> canadians do say hurry hurry yeah hurry mm-hmm. i hadn't really noticed that before yeah i mean that's just one example there's a f- i yeah. think there's a few others but yeah, yeah. well the the the, the um, uh, most obvious one i find when i'm talking with teachers is the one about talk do you talk oh yeah canadians don't talk they talk <clears throat> and yeah. you know that's sort of uh, one th- one that's um, quite obvious. Well, and I had a, Ann and I were touring in the UK. This is a few years ago now, and we had a gig. Would you believe it? At a place called the Talk. Oh. It it was a sort of a nightclub venue, mm-hmm. and uh, 
we were late because we're always late and and because we didn't know where we were going and we were lost and we got to the town and we had to flag down a pedestrian and ask for directions to the talk and i asked i said do you know where this club is the talk and just nothing <laughs> like just a blank and he and he said the talk like talk. The, the talk, <laughs> like thinking like a TikTok, tick, like and right, I'm like right. no, the talk, mm-hmm. talk, and then mm-hmm. and I, I I knew what was going on, and and so I said, Anne, just plug your ears for a second, <laughs> and I, I and I leaned out the window and I whispered to him, the talk, talk, <laughs> and oh oh yeah right, just down there and take a left and then a right. <laughs> it was so funny. funny. <laughs> I mean, you and Dad came to to Canada when? 1975. Mm. And we went to Selkirk, Manitoba for two years. Um, Oh, my goodness, what um, a culture shock that was. (laughs) We really didn't know a lot. I mean, the internet wasn't available. You couldn't just check things out and understand. I remember looking up the... um, uh, Manitoba in an encyclopedia and <laughs> discovering the kind of temperatures that were common and also um, the Ukrainian um, subculture um, in the um, province, which was all new. So, But we arrived in August, so it was pretty hot mm. and we had no idea what was coming down the pike, really. <laughs> <laughs> Those temperatures were, you know totally out of our experience. We hadn't even been around snow um, ever in our lives. So mm. those two years um, were what, <clears throat> what your dad always refers to as our, um, our Canadian apprenticeship, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just getting used to uh, the prairie, the flatness, mm-hmm. um, coming from New Zealand that's, um, and being inland away from oceans and it was um, it was a big change and I realized how how responsive we are as people to our environment and how that kind of shapes how you think mm-hmm. and I didn't I had you know never really thought much about that before <clears throat> before but that was a big learning curve mm. mm-hmm. and so after two years the story goes you you hightailed it to the coast <laughs> well we did we um we actually came back to new zealand for two for for a while because barry's parents were both mother was ill and and both of them subsequently um passed away and but then we returned to um to bc with the idea that you know we had jobs to go back to in manitoba but we figured that um <clears throat> we would see what we could do closer to the coast. So we didn't get further than Langley, British Columbia and um, <laughs> and uh, decided to, to stay there. And that's where we stayed for, I don't know, 40 years. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was, and it kind of all seems um, like most things, like obvious in retrospect, mm-hmm. that there would be the Langley Music School, mm-hmm. and that there would be the Langley Ukulele Ensemble, and that there would be a Jamie Thomas, and you know, all these things are, you know, so just much a part of our family story now. Um, but they they were just really circumstantial, weren't they? They were totally circumstantial, especially the <clears throat> the music school, which was huge in your life and in Julia's life. Um, we didn't even know it was there when we bought the house that, that you grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, not that we ever walked there, because <laughs> we never had time. We were always late for <laughs> lessons. Um, <laughs> but it was really just a stone's throw down the hill. Um, and we discovered it one day when we were in City Park um, for some community event and we heard these um, violins and sort of followed the sound to the little round um, building that was the then the old music school. And it was an open house and the um, Suzuki children were putting on a little outdoor concert and that's um, that's where how we discovered the the music school mm-hmm. and um, of course your dad having always enjoyed music played in bands and never had the um, formal training of a musician was always adamant that that you and Julia would and so you did <laughs> like mm-hmm. it or not um, and who knows, I mean, who we had no idea it would lead you both to being professional musicians. And I always joke that if I'd known that, I'd probably have pulled you out of out of lessons early. Put us <laughs> <laughs> yeah. on a straighter, narrower path. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so, I mean, this is something I could ask him, but, you know, he wanted us to have music. Mm-hmm. Did he have any idea how that was going to happen? Like no. he, he sort of stumbled on the Langley Music School, but, you know, the Langley Community Music School, I should say. Um, but, you know, did he have any plan for this uh, music education that we were going to get that he didn't have? No. I'm, I, you know, I don't know that as as parents raising kids that you really have plans. You kind of, you have values and you have things that you um, hope for, but... You know, I'm not sure. I, I don't think it was a clearly sort of thought out plan. It was just making the most of what opportunities we could get for you and mm-hmm. what we valued. Um, and so it kind of evolves, you know. It, it, mm-hmm. it, um, and like you say, it seems obvious in retrospect, but at the time it's not obvious. Yeah. So you just keep making decisions based on your values and hoping that they they turn out okay <laughs> so you know it's the best you can do i think mm-hmm. yeah i agree um really not knowing whether you're doing it right and having no way of knowing that you're doing it right is sort of the hmm, absolutely that's what you're up against and then discovering quite often later on as you get old enough to reflect and communicate some of those, discovering that some of the things that you thought would be okay were not, Mm. and some of the things that you 
you know, didn't think were so great are things that you remember, you mm. know, so that, it, you know, it's just, um, it's, it's, it's a bit of a crapshoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At one point, I, I don't know if you remember this the way I do, but I, I remember we were driving down Two Hundred Eight Street. I remember like exactly the moment, um, and uh, and you said, "Whatever you do, don't become a teacher." <laughs> <laughs> now that's you, good advice, <laughs> and I'm glad you you heeded that. <laughs> but but see, oh, this, you didn't that's, actually. That's the irony. No. Um, yeah, and I never forgot that moment because, you know, there weren't that many times when you would come out with like a black and white statement like that. Uh, maybe you'd just had a hard day at work. I don't know. I must have. <laughs> but, you know, I remember exactly that spot. I could pick that spot out right now, you know, on Google Maps. I could go there and actually pick up the spot. And uh, whatever you do, don't become a teacher. Do you remember that? <laughs> Or... Um, I, I I don't remember the exact spot, um, <laughs> but I I do, um, and that does resonate with me as something that I would have encouraged you to um, find a different route. Uh, I, I was meaning public school teaching, mm-hmm. um, or uh, I mean, you do a lot of fabulous teaching, but you're not what I, you're still a musician. You know, I, I wouldn't call you a, a teacher, although you are a wonderful teacher. Um, but I was wanting you to be free of the um, institutionalised life. It's basically what I wanted you to find another route. Um, and I remember one of the things I, I do remember saying to you is that if you can find something you are really good at that other people struggle with, um, you know that will, you know that may be a path for you. Um, in other words, you know, find what you're passionate about and and follow that. And that's what you did. And you both did that, actually, mm-hmm. um, quite well, I think. Was that something that you wished you'd done yourself? Or was it more something that you could see that was right for me or, or right for Julia? <clears throat> no, I think it was more just anticipating what I thought was right for you. And I knew that... What was right was not for you is not what I had done. Um, I don't know whether I would have made different decisions um, if I could have. I, I had, you know, I had the choices. Oh, well, I, they were much more limited in terms of career choice for women back in the um, what the late sixties. Um, so. I think I just was trying to anticipate what would make me feel, um, what would make me confident that you would be happy in your life, you know, that that you would choose something that would be satisfying for you. Um, And and do you remember your plan A and plan B? (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
quiz time for me. Um, I think plan A was to become some kind of um, scientist or physicist or, or astronaut, something to do with um, whatever was as close to Star Wars as possible. Uh, and then I think plan B was to be a ukulele player. Right. Uh, I think also, but being a ukulele player, remember um, when you decided to do that, and it was a bit of a risk. I mean, who would think you could ever make a living playing a ukulele? And yeah, yeah, but don't don't forget then. whose idea it was. Uh, remind me, not mine. No, it was Dad. Oh, <laughs> oh. For- well, that, like, I'm 18 years old, and he sees me fooling around with the recording equipment that I borrowed from oh. the school, and. Hot wiring two tape decks together so I could overdub myself onto you know another part that I played, and and finally he said, uh, you know what you should do. <laughs> I love conversations. Let's start with that. You know what you should do. <laughs> he says you should get this. You know he's a wink, wink. He says get this. You should record a whole CD of ukulele music, and it was like. I've ne- I had never heard of something so outrageous. I thought that is that is of all the terrible ideas you've ever had in the past ten minutes. Uh, that's that's the worst, you know. And then of course by the next day I was thinking, hmm, oh, exactly. that's not a bad yeah. idea. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So and that was the that was sort of the beginning. Mm. I mean, it wasn't really the beginning. It was sort of somewhere in the middle, because mm. you know, by then I'd been <clears throat> playing with the with the Langley ukulele ensemble for what, like ten oh, years. 10 years. Yeah. And and you were the at one point in time you were the president. Mm. Yes, of, I you know, I didn't. I didn't really. Oh. I didn't really. I mean, I knew you were the president. I didn't really know what that meant. It was like it, it was. There were two separate worlds there in that in that in that ukulele. Uh, bubble that we lived in you know one was sort of what the kids did and the music and the rehearsals mm-hmm. and the you know all that stuff and then there was sort of like the whole governance layer oh, yes. which you were yeah. involved with uh, are, are you are you at liberty yeah. to discuss that or is it sort of a witness protection program type of thing <laughs> um, <laughs> it, uh, it was not like any volunteer parent type um Group, which it was, um, it's always hard to get people into leadership and to take responsibility and you do all the work that's required. And so I was kind of, after several years, um, I was kind of earmarked um, for the role, as as you do get. Um, and it was it was not not an easy three years, um, but. It's, it was so worthwhile for all of you kids in in the group that it made that kind of um, tensions that tended to spring up among the parents worthwhile. And I think a lot of them, a lot of the parents had um, difficulty with the leadership because um, it was... Um, it was very forceful, and um, the the point that I used to try and explain to them was that 
if that leadership wasn't as forceful, um, then the, the, the children, the student, our kids wouldn't be getting the experience that they are getting. And I think it was worthwhile for you. Do you do you look back at it as something that was valuable for you? Your trips to Hawaii, oh, totally. um, your yeah. friendships. Um, I mean, you've got lifelong friends that you're still in touch with from mm. from back then. And um, I, th- I think it was worth pursuing. I mean, a lot of people, you know, f- did leave the group that, you know, the trips to Hawaii wasn't in the end quite worth it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think that it was, in, in the bigger picture, it was well worthwhile persevering uh, with all of the, um, the petty disagreements and so on that tended to happen from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, it was the few people that, as, as always, with the swim club or ukulele group or music school or whatever um it's the few people that do all the work um but i think it was worthwhile and there were other people i mean i'm not saying there were a lot there was a over the years there were um a few people who did a lot of good work and kept that and you know it's still going so in not quite the same um, format, but uh, I think it's a worthwhile thing to um, put put some effort into, or a lot of effort into, mm-hmm. or a lot, yeah, for a short time. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't go on forever, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I think you got a lot out of it, mm, and definitely. Even I just recently went to a a performance of. Um, the students that Julia teaches here in Hamilton at, at Wintech and realising, you know, that for the first years, even the second and third years, but it's what um, Peter Luongo, you know, the director of the uh, Langley Ukulele Ensemble when you were in there, used to always say, you know, one performance is worth ten rehearsals in terms of the learning um, and the experience. And just that, um, com- that comfort level that you... Um, that you get about being on stage in front of an audience and knowing how to deal with that um, doesn't come straight away or easily. It evolves over time. So mm-hmm. the more you're exposed to that kind of uh, experience, I think the more relaxed and comfortable you get with it. I mean, you were quite quite shy and... Um, you know, not like Thea, who is naturally a performer. I mean, neither you or Julia um, were were really like that as as children. But you learned how to deal with an audience and to a performance situation through all of the experience that you had at the music community music school and through the ukulele group and the fiddle mm-hmm. group and the orchestra and you know. So you had a lot of different kinds of performance experiences as you grew up and um, so it just became part of what you do mm-hmm. and that's what we hoped you would you know you would get that um, kind of experience there was really no um, goal or ambition for either of you to become professional musicians at all mm. but it was a way of building confidence of learning how to 
deal, how to react in formal settings and um, learning how to um, be an audience Mm -hmm. as well as how to perform for an audience. Um, I mean, it it would translate into just speaking in a a group of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it didn't, didn't necessarily have to be about music performance. It was just about becoming um, confident people with a presence and able to um, able to know how to respond in um, those kinds of settings where you're in front of people. won the Canadian Folk Music Award for um, Mm -hmm. Traditional Album of the Year. Uh, I went up and got the award because Anne was away on on another gig, actually, at that point. And uh, and I thanked you and Dad both, and I said um, uh, something to the effect of, and thanks to Mom and Dad, and when I told them that I was going to become a professional ukulele player, they didn't even bat an eye. You know, and that was kind of like my, that was the moment where I just sort of, thank you and good yeah. night, you know, yeah, because yeah, yeah. It, it does seem, I don't know if parents out there listening or, or grandparents out there listening and reflecting or, you know, um, parents to be are out there listening. It's like, you know, how, how, how supportive can you be and how, how can you be mm. so hands on? in terms of supporting and and caring for and shepherding along this young person and at the same time sort of not care where they end up i mean that's a that's um, a tricky little juggling yeah. act don't you think yeah it is a bit of a tightrope isn't it yeah um so i mean you care where they end up and that i always wanted you to end up happy <laughs> I always wanted you to to find a path that would be satisfying for you. It didn't matter what the path was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we cared a great deal about where you ended up in that sense. Um, but I think, oh, I don't think there's any limit to the amount of support that parents ought to give. You know, as some of my... Uh, some of my friends or um, your friends' parents, you know, uh, but and certainly my uh, uh, friends and parents would sometimes say, well, you know, we'll support you till you finish school, high school, and then you're on your own. Um, and and you, there has to be a point where, you know, you're on your own. And I never felt that um, I could do that. And do you remember your other plan B, that I was thinking of too was when you decided to to take on ukulele as a as a career or try it out or and to be um, an independent musician. And at one point you said to me, "Oh, but there was always Plan B." And I said, "What's Plan B?" And you you said the basement. So <laughs> you always felt that if it didn't work you could come home. Mm-hmm. 
and the, the door would always be open and there would be a place for you. And hopefully that would have helped to give you the confidence to take a risk that you mm. might not have uh, taken had you thought that your livelihood depended on it. Um, and so, you know, risk-taking is is really important, um, but it's so hard to do if there's too much at stake and you feel like um, you couldn't do it. So, you know, the basement was always there <laughs> for you. <laughs> <laughs> tell the story of what happened uh, with the Vinyl Cafe? Because, you know, this oh. this really is the beginning yeah. of me being on my own as a musician. I've, I've left the Langley Ukulele Ensemble and I put out my first album. I'm still in university, living at the dorm. Mm-hmm. And I'm home for, you know, a, a weekend or something. And we hear on the radio um, Flight of the Bumblebee mm-hmm. on, this, uh, on the Vinyl Cafe with Stuart McLean. Right. And that well, didn't just happen. Like, and, and so, mm-hmm. so how did that happen? Mm. Well, actually, that was one of the parents from the Langley Ukulele Ensemble who had said to me, did you know that Stuart McLean has um, declared the ukulele his official, official instrument of the final cafe and that they're having this, um, this um, competition or they're having this um, search for, why don't you, you know, contact him? So I looked into it and, and um, I wrote a letter, which I probably still have somewhere. <laughs> um, I wrote a letter um, in talking about you and um, saying how I felt that, you know, he would be interested in, in hearing you, um, you know. And I didn't reveal until the very last line that I was your mother. And um, so that was the sort of the punchline. Yeah. And, um, and, and he read the letter out on radio. And then, um, uh, did he, had he interviewed you at that point? I don't, anyway, he finally got you and... And Mark Luongo, didn't he, to mm-hmm. go to one of his live um, performances that they recorded um, for the show. So was it in Calgary, I think? In Calgary at the, at the Jubilee yeah. Auditorium. Still one of the biggest right. audiences I've ever played for. Is that right? Yeah. And and so and he was wonderful, wasn't he? He was yeah. so supportive. In fact, CBC were, were really supportive in those early years as well. They played you off in quite a few of the mm-hmm. programs um, I heard you on uh, Jurgen Goth used to play. Yes, Jurgen Goth, stuff a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, they were very supportive. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. 
But that was one of those things where you, there was no way of knowing where that would go or, you know, whether it would go anywhere. But it actually had a bit of a, uh, you know, a domino effect down the road. Um, and it was quite fortuitous that, that I wrote that letter. But I might not have, you know. <laughs> I might have thought, nah, it's okay. We'll manage. You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if I would call it my, my big break. Um, mm. But it was probably my biggest break. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was, what a way to start. Um straight out of university yeah. and sort of into the music business with that sort of boost from from radio and from a somebody as well known as as um mm-hmm. Stewart. So, you know, I, yeah. I remember walking past uh Andy Dawes who was my violin teacher at the time uh, on, on my way out uh of the building, of the music building at UBC and just sort of brushing past him in the doorway. And him saying to me, just very offhandedly, very casually, oh, uh, I heard you on CBC. <laughs> and it was just like, it was uh, almost like surreal, you know, like, yeah. what do you mean yeah. you heard me on CBC? You know, yeah. and at the same time, it was like, yeah, that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a, that was a major yeah. boost, you know, in, in the transition out into the, the real world, into, yeah. into not being in the basement. Right. <laughs> oh, and we used to get so excited if we if we knew that you were going to be on somewhere, you know, and there'd be phone calls and there'd be, um, you know, um, contact with people and reminding people and it was a big deal. Mm. Um, and then it got to be more and more frequent and you, got, <laughs> you know, more and more blasé about it and, and uh, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, and a, then CBC changed its format and uh, it it uh, disappeared. Mm, oh, that's so sad. Yeah. But at, I mean, at the same time, they, they, they play the newer stuff, right? They'll play yeah. stuff from the old yeah. silo or um, mm. even a flying leap sometimes. So they'll, they'll play oh, really? little cuts oh. off that once in a while. So, oh, yeah. yeah, it's uh I it's was sad to see some of those old programs go, though. Mm-hmm. You know, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I wanted to touch on your journey as a student of music as well, right? Oh. I mean, I remember... That was very uh, short. <laughs> 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 uh, well, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I, mm. I remember early uh, years of my life, you know, going to the school uh, where you were working after hours to play on mm. the piano for you to practice piano did you start taking lessons before we even you know had one in the house or you know what was what was that and and why did you want to learn Mm. well i learned as a child we always had a piano in our home and my two sisters and i um did take lessons for a while but um we were not a home we were not immersed in music in our home and so lessons were sort of like something else out there, not like music is too older, where it's just an integral part of his daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did enjoy playing piano, um, but we didn't take exams. Or I did a few competitions and that sort of thing as a bit of an incentive. But um, so, and, and then I, when I went to, when I went away to, 
um, to school, um, I, I stopped and didn't take it up again until when you and Julia were doing Suzuki violin, you didn't start piano until you were a little bit older. But you'll remember your dad took violin lessons mm-hmm. and and then I decided to take um, piano lessons. And I I don't remember taking... I think we did... I did start the lessons before we actually got the piano. Um, but I used to... Yeah, I used to practice at night after you'd gone to bed because, mm. you know, teaching full time and, you know, running you guys around and everything, there wasn't much time in the day. So I think um, I got to, um, uh, I think I did my grade six um, Royal Academy, but that's as far as I got. But um, it always felt like it did as a child that um it was not it was not part it was always like a foreign language not my own language mm. and um and and I could see that for you for you kids it was more part of your own language mainly because you probably you started earlier than than I did and um persevered longer with it um but I never felt that the playing was that my playing was part of me. It was always something extra. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, totally. That's how I feel about a lot of things, just not music. Yeah, exactly. Mm. That's how I feel about doing the high jump. <laughs> oh god, the high jump. Uh, you know, and at, some people just school. Yeah. come out. Of the womb skipping yeah. and doing yeah. the doing the high jump and you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just I don't feel that way about music but I do feel that way about most <laughs> other things. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So it's unfortunate, and I'd love to be, you know, I'd love to be able to immerse myself in it the way you and Julia do, and I think what a wonderful experience it would be to be part of an orchestra where you're absolutely surrounded by. And I can see why, you know, people make careers of doing that. Um, mm. Just the experience of being totally immersed in some of that wonderful music. Mm. Um, so I always feel a little bit outside of it, even though, you know, both of you and and your dad um, haven't have been able to be fortunate enough to engage in that experience. I don't. I think I've missed out on that, you know. to say when uh, when I was practicing occasionally I would I would feel kind of self-conscious about practicing this, really? this was mostly the, the violin you know because I knew that because the violin is so darn loud mm. um, it really is a you know mm. pretty shrill instrument and it carries through the house and I remember one time um, 
you you said no 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 keep practicing you said uh i like hearing you practice oh, uh, I, I enjoy hearing you practice and and i i could not believe that you really believed that oh i um, loved hearing you practice <laughs> it was like little concerts for me you know in my own home i i just really enjoyed it well, maybe, maybe I didn't play enough scales up and down. And, <laughs> you, well, you, you didn't, actually. <laughs> you didn't like doing that. No, no. I guess they were little concerts because that's what I wanted yeah, to do. Right. I just wanted yeah. to play the song. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, yeah. But, but although now with Alder, you know, I, I do have a better idea what you what you mean. It's just, you know, at the mm. time... I just couldn't fathom the idea that mm. you would, you could enjoy hearing me. Um, well, I guess that I, I was what I enjoyed, uh, even if you did go over and over. What I enjoyed was seeing you involved in the music. Mm-hmm. That's you know as much um, had as much appeal as as the actual song. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Even even when the kids are oh, like when Alda sits down and just plays piano, I mean it's wonderful to listen to, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because he's just immersed in it, and that's the difference. That's that's. I remember um, doing that as a child. Remember how Alda was playing the piano just recently, and and he was using all the black keys. Mm-hmm. And I remember doing the same thing. What is it about the black keys that make it somehow more um, melodious? It's it's got a nicer tone. And I used to yeah. pick out things just like he was doing on the piano, just using the black keys, mm-hmm. just for fun. Um, yeah, well, they you don't get the dissonance of the of the close ones, you know, and so you only get a five note scale instead of an eight note scale or right. a seven note scale. Yeah. It's a pentatonic instead of a major, so it's oh, okay. it's harder to go wrong. Um, yeah, it always sounds good. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you can't. You, yeah, right. You can't make those sort of mistakes. Mm-hmm. And and being a nanny now, oh, yeah. a grandmother, mm-hmm. so all of your grandkids call you nanny, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your role as a grandparent? in your grandkids' music making? I don't mean music education necessarily, but just in their music making. Well, for, for me, um, it's not that different than what it was, uh, really. I, I'm the number one audience, appreciative audience. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, You're very well qualified. You, you do that extremely well. <laughs> um, so I... I um, you know, I will take them. I've taken them to to lessons, but not on a regular basis because I um, I haven't until recently been around on a regular basis. But um, just always, you know, encouraging as much as I can um, the performance and um, just appreciating what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, they're now um, like Julia's um, two older girls, Thea and. Chloe are now um, taking uh, ukulele lessons at school. Um, they come out of school. New Zealand system allows that where you can come out of school for private lessons during school time. Mm-hmm. And they have a little group going at the school. So they are doing that. They also t- um, started flute um, 
and um, they've had some, or well, Chloe's had a little bit of violin, but she didn't um, continue with that, and a little bit of cello, but she didn't continue with that. So, you know, she's um, experimenting at this point, both of them, and so my role really is to just encourage and to um, be the appreciative audience. Mm. Yeah, and and when they want um, critical analysis, they go to Granddad. Exactly. <laughs> that was always my way of working the system. Was I, I just whenever I wanted feedback, I just knew which one to ask for what. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, depending on what kind of feedback you needed at the time. That's right. Yeah, if I just needed good. a, well, if I just mm-hmm. needed a pat on the back, then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would come to you, and if I, exactly. mm-hmm. I was looking for uh, serious critique, mm-hmm. which I almost never was. No, uh, I can't recall many, <laughs> many occasions where I was actually. But looking for sometimes that. you got it without without um, well, seeking right. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, then I would go, go. <laughs> then I would go to dad. It was nice to have. Mm-hmm. It was nice mm-hmm. to have both under one roof. You had a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very handy. Mm. Yeah. I remember there was a phase where I would find these little circle of fifths drawings all mm. around the house in places <laughs> you, you were doodling the circle of fifths mm-hmm. one on a bookmark or on the little notepad right. by the telephone or and at the time I didn't know what it was because oh. I hadn't done music theory at that point right. and you you were just obsessively drawing the circle of fifths the way that you know a, a kid in grade three draws Garfield you know from memory uh, what what was that do you remember that time and oh, and if so yes. did it sink in mm-hmm. did it work <laughs> um, yes I was probably cramming for a theory exam <laughs> 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 um, yeah well it was it was fast I don't recall now I couldn't I couldn't draw it now for the life of me but um um and i'd have a hard i have a hard time with garfield as well (laughs) um yeah it was uh a i needed to for the for my theory i needed to get my head around that and b it was quite it was a very intriguing kind of design you know how things fit together Mm. and i just needed to get my head around how that all went together um, so in that, to that extent, I, I enjoyed it. But um, the other thing was that there was some pressure for a theory exam. Right. And mm. I guess it seemed a bit in the realm of a crossword or a Sudoku. Mm-hmm. You know, it was mm-hmm. something that you could sort of yes. draw out and sort of doodle away at. But yes. I guess my, my, my question, you know, as uh, looking back on it, you know, with the perspective of you know, so many years, did you ever sit down and play through it? Oh, you mean actually at the piano? Yeah. No. 
Nobody ever suggested that I should do that. See, that is just amazing to me. Mm. Um, The whole thing is about how it sounds. Yes, not how it looks on the paper. Right. Now, why did not all of the teachers that I have had, nobody has ever mentioned that that would be a useful thing to do? Drawing it out is a a bit like... uh, looking at a map of Rome and, you know, hearing it is, is like standing in the Colosseum, you know. Exactly, yes. And that's yeah. where you want to be. Yeah. Oh. Mm. I'll have to revisit that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Thank you for I, the suggestion. <laughs> I, I just... Mm. I'd, I'd always wondered about that, and I think I did mm. an episode of the podcast on the Circle of Fifths. And oh, do you know what number it was? I'll have to go back and look for that. <laughs> uh, I don't remember the number, but I think the title of the podcast was something like OMG, The Circle of Fifths Makes Sense. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, yeah. On my list to do. Thanks for taking the time to speak with me about my life and your life and how music is part of that and um, Hmm. I guess I'll talk to you soon oh you're welcome and thank you for inviting me okay well have a great day and I love you love you too darling bye 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 that's a wrap on season one of the Euctropolis podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to take a few weeks off and I'll be back with more real ukulele answers to real ukulele questions in season two. In the meantime, you can always find me over at euctropolis.com. There's a whole bunch of unique online ukulele courses over there, plus a bunch of free stuff that you can check out just for stopping by. Thanks again for tuning in, and until season two, keep on strumming.